Very good morning to you all. You're all very, very welcome to come and meet with us this morning. We're going to start our service by singing a, a hymn of praise to our God. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. So if you'd like to stand and we'll sing this together. Shall we pray together? Great Father, who created the heavens, we, we come together to, to focus on you, to, to look to you and to remember all the amazing things you've done. And in particular this morning, Lord, we come to remember the love that you have shown to us. Father, you have given us everything we need, as we've just sung. Everything that we need has been ordained by you and given to us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for each other. We thank you for this time we can come now to, to just sit and think and focus on you. And we ask, Lord, that our praise and our worship and everything we do this morning together will be pleasing to you and it will be helpful to us. And we ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're going to have our first reading now, and Ben Stanley is going to come and read that for us. It's um, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature, by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God has raised us up with, with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is a gift of God not by works so no one can boast for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you are gentles by Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of, both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you, and you were far away, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of apostles and prophets 
with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thank you, Ben. We're going to have our announcements now um, from Richard. Care news from Joe. Mary remains in hospital. She's having treatment for her calcium deficiency, which seems to be helping. She is to have an MRI scan on her leg next week, which should enable the doctor to decide on treatment. Mary enjoys having visitors and remains on Ward 4 at Trafford General Hospital. Pauline continues to struggle, but enjoyed a visit from her daughter yesterday. Gladys, good to see you. Um, Gladys has got some ongoing problems with her breathing, so please remember Gladys in your prayers. Marion, remember you as your struggle, in your struggle with your health problems. Des is waiting to hear the result of his job interview, and Phoebe waiting for university offers. Let's pray for them and others who may be facing decisions or uncertainty in their lives. Let's continue to remember our brother John, who is a member of our church, even though he's a long way away from us in the Congo. John is feeling down and lonely, so anything that you might like to do to contact John, whether by email, by text message, Alex has his address and his number, his email address if you need those things. Alex is arranging for a small package to be sent to John this week, so if you have anything to include in that, perhaps a postcard, a personal message, a letter, um, please do that. Perhaps try and think of more ingenious ways of remembering John by perhaps committing to text him every couple of weeks. Let's not forget him, even though he's so far away. Is there anything else anybody would like me to pray for before I say our pastoral prayer? Okay, if you remain seated, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the great privilege that we have to be part of your family in Jesus. We remember before you a number of people, members of our family. We pray that you will move and help us to look after them and care for them as brothers and sisters in that family. We pray for Mary that you'll keep her spirits up while she's in hospital, that some treatment will be identified for her to allow her to leave and return her to full health. We pray for Gladys and Marion and Pauline, people with their own health problems, and pray that you will heal them. We pray for everybody who faces uncertainty in these times, people worrying about the jobs that they have or the jobs that they'd like to have, about the university courses that they'd like to pursue. Father, help us to see things from your eternal perspective and take comfort in the security that you offer us. Father, we remember our brother John and all our brothers and sisters in the Congo. We've never met them. We know who some of them are. Help us to build bridges between us and them. They are just as part of our family, Father, as our brothers and sisters in the UK. Father, we pray for the world that we live in. We pray for the strength and the wisdom to change what we can and for the swift return of your son Jesus to bring us all safe into his kingdom. Amen. We're going to sing our next hymn. Am I actually going to?
talking very shortly about us following Jesus and in particular one aspect of how we can be helped to follow Jesus. And I just thought before we start talking about that it would be good to sort of know that we're not, to think about the idea that we're not fighting a losing battle because we shall be like him. So shall we sing this together? As I said before, I'd just like us to think about some of the ways that we might become like Jesus or we might follow Jesus or, I suppose, just be better Christians. Uh, I'd like to start by asking a slightly provocative question. Uh, Do we need more than the Bible? Uh, We we sang before in our uh, hymn, uh, All That We Need Has Been Granted... Uh, in what God ordains. Well, we did. We sang it in a bit more ye olde English uh, way, but that's what we sang. Uh, I, I believe this is true. I believe that God has given us everything we need to, to follow Jesus, to be godly people. But is there something missing um, from the Bible? Some information of some kind or some level of detail uh, that's missing? That's my provocative question for you this morning. I believe the Bible and its message to be timeless. I believe it's eternal. But part of my question is, how, how does it help me? How does it tell me all the information I need to live as a disciple of Christ, as a Christian today in England in the 21st century? How do I practice the eternal principles of God, for example, um, within the offices of Compass Computer Consultants um, in the year 2009? That's where I work, by the way. I believe that the gospel message is universal. There is no human being who ever walked the surface of the earth it does not apply to. I believe that being a follower of Jesus is the most vital thing anyone can do in their lives but I also know that no two human beings need Jesus for all the same reasons no two um, people who respond to Jesus do it in the same way no two human beings have the same weaknesses the Bible message though it has lots to say about the unity of the church and things like that it doesn't prescribe uniformity as the apostle Paul says in his letter to the Corinthian church we're all members of the same body but we all have different gifts and the picture is like a a, a human body with hands and feet and all kinds of different things and everybody's almost like the gospel message affects every single one of us here very very differently and how, how can the Bible have all that for every single person who ever was in the history of the world how can the Bible have the information required for all those people in it so that they've got everything that they need because that's what we sang um, that God has given us everything we need you know there's something else that strikes me about the, the, the nature of the message that is in the Bible um, it is and always has been um, a message with lots of different angles Okay, um, 
If you'd like to find in your Bibles um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, that would be good. If you, I'm going to read it to you anyway, so I don't feel you have to find it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 5. So this is way, way, way back when Moses was speaking to the Israelites. And these are the commands. This is very, very uh, core part of the, the law of Moses. Um, if you write about all the, the ten, talking about the Ten Commandments and all the you know, the core um, part of, of the message way, way back then, all those thousands of years ago. And this is what it says, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So, to me, it just strikes me there's so many different aspects that this Bible message is applying to. Your heart, your soul, your strength. It's not just an intellectual message. It's very, very practical. If you look about those little the things that were tied as symbols, one on your forehead, for all the stuff that goes on in here, your mind, your emotions, I suppose, and your intellect and one on your hand for all the stuff you do, the practical angle of the gospel message. You know, and I sort of think uh, if the Bible message were just intellectual, if it was just for theologians, and maybe, maybe a book would be enough. And it would, but I'm not sure how a book, even a book as amazing as the Bible, can cover everything that everyone will need for all those different angles of human experience. What would it be like in your life if you were as Jesus-like as you could possibly be? What would your life be like? Can you even imagine that? Can you even imagine a tiny percentage of that? you think it's easy in your life, in your context, where you are today, to see how you should follow Jesus, how you should do what God wants you to do? Let me tell you a quick story. Um, way, way back in the 80s, my mum, um, she's just turned around there, we're talking about her, watched this, she was fascinated by this television program. It was about, a, it was, it was, they'd had this site, where they'd, uh, archaeological site, where they'd excavated, it could have been a Stone Age, uh, not a Stone Age, Iron Age or Bronze Age, really, I can't remember which it was. And they basically, all these boffins and sort of hippie kind of people that's what, they, that's what I remember them being like they tried to, after they'd excavated it and they'd got all this information about these pots that had been made and how they'd been made and what type of clay and all this kind of stuff, they said right, let's do it let's, let's get rid of all this modern technology and let's just ditch everything and start living on this site where people used to live many years ago because we've reached all we can learn from looking at broken clay pots in the ground and they did it, and it was a fascinating documentary. Um, and the, there was one guy in particular, every week he'd come back and it would be the clay pot man. And because he was trying to make these clay pots from the local clay, from the local river, um, in the same place, on the same site where the original clay pots had been fired. And could he make them? It was absolutely rubbish. The, the, 
they were too crumbly, they were too hard, they shattered during firing where you put water in and they leaked and just everything he tried. And it, he, was, he's like, he was like a professor in pottery. Okay? <laughs> that's, why he, that's why it was his job to do it. And, but given, if, if he'd had a modern kiln and all this kind of stuff, he could have made pots, no problem. But could he make them? He had lost all this information, but he couldn't do it. And every episode, he got better and better. And like the pots didn't crack in the furnace. And, they, and, every, you know, and towards the end, it was like a year experiment, I think. And towards the end, he was making pots that were, didn't always break, you know. <laughs> and I think, I think maybe being a Christian is a bit like that. We're a bit like that potter. All the available information is there in abundance. But it can be very, very difficult to do it in real life. I'm going to come back to this guy uh, later. Do you remember that mum? No? Okay. I've said, I've said I believe it to be true that all that is needful hath been granted in what he ordaineth. And the Bible does contain all that we need to know because it tells us of all the other ways that we learn about God. In the Bible, it says, don't just look at me in here. There's other places that, we, that add to and make stronger the ways of teaching that are in the Bible. And I'm going to try and think about just one aspect of those this morning. And um, I'd be interested, by the way, later on, if anyone has any other additional ways that they think that the Bible says that we should learn about God, come and tell me. I'd be interested to hear what you think. I've got a few other ideas. Um, in, in Ephesians 2, that Ben read at the beginning, in verse 19, well, in verse 20, actually, it says this. In verse, starting at verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I think this is saying that the teachings of the apostles and prophets are vital. They are the foundation on which everything else sits. You can't get rid of them. But there's more to it. That's what everything else gets built on. And interestingly in that passage, interestingly for me and what I want to talk about this morning, it talks about the idea of us being built together. Like it's not, we don't build on the foundation of the, pro- of the prophets and apostles by ourselves. We do it together as a body. There, there are lots of other passages in the Bible that have this idea that we sort of grow together and we build up ourselves together. At one in particular that I'd like us to read together Joe's going to come and read it for us um, is in the first letter of Thessalonians the first two chapters so have a look as Joe's reading it have a look for all the different parts where it talks about different members of the church helping each other and being examples to each other First Thessalonians chapter 1 Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work prompted by faith, your labour prompted by love, 
and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore we do not need to say anything about it. But they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. With the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel, in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God to the work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and also drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to all men. In their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles, they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I pulled it again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed you are our glory and joy. Thanks, Joe. It's a really inspiring picture, isn't it? The, like those, that first chapter about this church who was such a good example. Such a, a model to all the other churches. 
a church who themselves model themselves on the apostles who lived among them and and also on the Lord it says sometimes people say things like I've heard lots of people say this I don't need church or um, as I heard someone say quite recently said I used to think you didn't need a church I guess you might be one of those people you might know very well someone who, who thinks or has thought like that someone who's thought you know, I, I think I could follow God better on my own. Maybe they sort of had a, a, sort of a problem or with a, a particular, particular person or just whatever reason. They decided just to maybe sit down with the Bible on their own and try and make their own way. And I have had the benefit, as I say, of speaking to a few people who felt like this and come back. And for them at least, it really didn't work. Um, and we've just been reading all this expectation and it seems that the Bible is saying that's not how it works. That God has sort of prepared for us this body to be amongst so that we grow together as this building, joined together, not building separate columns, all this building joined together, fitted together, it says. I, I, I do think... It is theoretically possible to be a Christian on your own just with the Bible. Um, but I think it's harder. I think it will take longer. And you risk, you run the risk of being disenchanted and going down, going the wrong way. And just coming back to this, remember the, the, the clay pot man. So he was on his own. There was no other body of experience around him. Imagine if there was two or three people all trying their own different way to build, to make, remake these clay pots. Um, and someone was trying hotter kilns, someone was trying less water, someone was trying clay from further down the river. And imagine all that extra experience. How much quicker, we would maybe by, series, by episode two, we'd have seen some pots that didn't break every time. Now imagine if you had a hundred people with a lifetime's experience of making clay pots, themselves having learned from a hundred other people with a lifetime's experience of making clay pots, Imagine spending an afternoon with one of those people. You can practically guarantee by the end you'll be making perfect pots. It's possible to be a Christian and not go to church. It's theoretically possible, but it's probably not a good idea to try it if you're serious about being a Christian. You are much, much more likely to succeed and not grow weary and not come into problems um, sharing experience, sharing ideas reading the Bible is a vital step but it's the foundation and you have to build on it we have to talk about the Bible together, remember back in Deuteronomy, not just the Bible class when you're walking along the road, when you're lying down, all these different places in all the different aspects of your life um, this has to be a real thing that we're building together There's lots of different ways that being together helps us, aren't there? One of the ways that being together helps us is that we can copy from each other. We can imitate, as we've been reading about in the Thessalonian church, they imitated the apostles, who in turn were imitating Jesus. Um, and lots of other places, like, uh, for example, this, this verse from uh, the first letter of Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 1, follow my example, says the apostle Paul, as I follow the example of Christ. 
we're not really aiming to really be following each other. We're just helping each other follow Jesus. That's really what's going on. In fact, in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, it says this um, in the first verse, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we're actually, we're not just imitating Jesus, because he's actually imitating God. That's what we're really doing. We're, when we're copying each other, each other is not the authoritative thing we're copying from. We're just really helping each other in our ultimate aim. But being an example, something to copy from, is not the only way we can help each other. We can inspire each other. It can show you what is possible. Uh, for example, Lucy says her mum never taught her to cook. That's what she says. <laughs> I, I planned it so that you'd be sat next to her when I said that. Um, but Lucy's mum, right, she's an excellent cook. She, she doesn't buy like, pre-made things from the shop ever. She makes everything. She's really, really good. Uh, and Lucy has just inherited that. She's just known that it's possible to make a lasagna. It's possible to make bread. It's possible to make jam. It's any, everything that, it, that you can get, it's possible to make it yourself. So she doesn't think about, think about it. She just does it. And, you know, eventually it works. <laughs> Lucy's quiches are now nearly as good as a mum's quiches, aren't they? They're, they're quite good now. But if you didn't know it's possible, if all you ever do, if all you ever did, if you grew up where your mum didn't do that and you just grew up and you always bought quiches from Sainsbury's, you'd never get better at it. So just the fact that you know it's possible, you can see someone that's done it and it worked. It's a real inspiration. Another thing that having other people around you can do is, is show you up. Um, it's really easy to notice someone else fly past you very quickly when you're in, if you're in a rut. But it's not so easy to notice just from being in a rut. Um, we ran a half marathon a couple of years ago. A few of us here, um, Lucy included. And I remember we, were sort of, we started quite far back in the, in the starting thing. It took us 18 minutes to reach the starting line. And at about half marathons, about 13 and a bit miles, at about 10 miles, I was overtaking people in diving costumes. Because they'd all started up in front of me. And, I, and, we, you saw, and there's crowds of people everywhere. It's like a really big half marathon, the Great North Run it was. Um, and you just like this, and you think, I could run faster than this, I could. And you just can't, because there's people everywhere. So you sort of just like this. And then this guy went straight past me. I thought, how did he do that? He was running on the curb. He was like this. And he was just, he was just like sailing through the curb. So I ran on the curb, and I followed him. So it was just like, and I just sort of thought, I was sat there thinking, oh, I'm, I'm never, you know, I, I just I relapsed into this, if you like. Um, lower sort of state um, of just with this crowd of people wearing diving costumes and fireman's outfits and all this kind of stuff and dobbing the horse there and you know in the anyway you get the picture when we see other people's example what it's like to live the gospel it's just compelling proof that the gospel message works the eternal message of the gospel is not theoretical. 
it works when you see people living it it's, it's just convincing proof that it's real and the gospel message is a difficult one to grasp uh, when, you, when you have it on paper when you're trying to read it it's the exact opposite of so much prevailing human wisdom it goes against so much of our own nature and if you just read it on paper it can look impossible it can look even dangerous and feeble when you see it on paper however when the word of God is written on tablets of human hearts it is quite frankly the most beautiful the most humbling the most inspiring compelling thing you're ever likely to see it's a glimpse of the kingdom of God I would say Jesus' words are the most important words in the Bible. But unlike many of the other writers and prophets in the Bible, he did not write them. Jesus did not write down his own message. Rather, he chose to gather to himself people who, could, who lived with him and spent time with him. And to me, it shows the importance to be placed on building something up not just having the words written down as a message human beings need examples we need that proof that something to aim for that inspiration later on when uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were speaking to the apostles um, this is after Jesus has died and, and raised again it says this uh, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus that's what it does that's what it rubbed off on them a bit of Jesusness rubbed off on these people and I'd just like to I'd like to share with you a couple of examples of people who've rubbed off on me a bit of expert clay pot makers who I've had the privilege of spending some time with um, example number one I was living in Nottingham as a student there's four lads in a car uh, we pull up at the traffic lights the lights are on red in the middle of the roundabout is a woman in a car with the hazard lights on um, you know, bang in the middle of the crossroads obviously stalled waiting to turn right or something and I'm sort of thinking oh, what an unfortunate place to break down Oh well, at least she's not in our way. We can just go around the outside. And Dave Cave just opens the door and says, "Right, come on, lads." Dave Cave was the driver, by the way. He just opens the door. He says, "Right, come on, lads." He walks over to the lady, knocks on the door, and says, um, "When it goes green, we'll pulse you into the side road." And I felt really ashamed because my first reaction was, "Oh, it's okay," because uh, quite, you know, the timing of it. And I just thought, "Oh, we'll, we'll just get past, and the AA will come, and the AA will have a difficult job, won't they?" And don't look. You know, glad I'm not an AA man. But Dave's first reaction, it was, you know, it was very, very quick. Red light, out, come on lads. And I just think when you're with someone and you see their gut reaction, it shows you something about them. And I think I learned something about 
myself from my gut reaction that was so far away so you know it's a small thing but those little instant moments those quick reactive moments really indicate what's inside I have another example um, when Lisi was a student in London um, she was given a place to live by um, Jean and, and Nigel Tanner excuse me <laughs> Um, I think this the kind of deep gen- generosity uh, not just keeping your arms length generosity has um, had a, pr- a profound effect on Lucy and I've had lots of inspiring models of generosity given to me as well <coughs> Pat Pearlene's sister and when I was a bit younger we used to go to 13 Warwick Road, Cholton, to Pat's class. Um, this is basically a load of unruly, sometimes quite random teenage people turning up at her house, expecting to be fed um, and have eat, eat Pat's biscuits and go off at, on tangents about random things about life and the Bible, random tangents um, for hours on end, staying far too late every Wednesday. Um, I know Pat would have come in from work we were really tired sometimes she would turn up after we did because she was really tired and I just sort of she did it for years absolutely years and again it's, as you can tell it's had such a, a deep impact on me these people who regarded their possessions and their time and their lives as being gifts from God having the attitude that these gifts were effectively on loan from God and should be given to anyone as they had need and they did it joyfully and these examples have been such have such an, been an inspiration and they've, they've changed me and, uh, and Lucy too I mean there's lots of aspects that are very difficult for us to take on board very hard actions very hard attitudes to take on board but when you see them in other people when they're shared with you it's so much easier okay okay thanks <laughs> we as a church as a body of people learning together to follow God to imitate Jesus have responsibilities to each other I think we could do with a bit more of um, speak about these things when you walk along the road and when you're lying down and all these different things if we're going to get better at this uh, being like Jesus business I think we need to look for opportunities where we can work together side by side so that we can have these uh, so that we can rub off on each other and we can learn from each other and inspire each other I don't know about you. I want to follow Jesus as closely and as well as I can. And I want to do everything I possibly can to make that happen. So that I can get there. And I don't want to let you down. I believe it's such an important thing. Fast Ewald, if you'd come and give thanks for the bread for us, please. Merciful, gracious. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name forever and ever.
we bow our heads in loneliness of spirit because we've let you down again. You know that we sincerely crave to live a life that comes close to Jesus. But we have failed your son again. Our sincere prayer is for your son to return soonest so that then we can receive through your grace a changed body emptied of all worldly desires. While we continue to wait, please bring us regularly to your son's table. Every visit helps us to become a little bit more godly. We thank you for this bread. Help us please to share and to eat it in a worthy manner. And visit, please, wash away our sins again. Thank you, dear Father, for Jesus. Amen. If you'd come and give thanks for the wine for us. Now, Lord, we take this cup of wine and drink it. Father, help us to see in it that is a symbol of your love for us, your church, of your love for us as individual members, living stones of that church, of your love for us, sinners. And as these many people in the world today think about the day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and they welcomed him into their town, into their city, only to turn their backs on him and reject him a few days later. Help us, Lord, not to welcome you into our lives today and then a few days later reject you again. We've been thinking, Lord, about impressing you on our hearts. And we do pray, Father, that you'll help us to impress your principles and those of your Son on our lives, on our hearts, as we go out through our doors and gates in the coming days, that we might have you there with us, that you might be in our minds, governing the way we, we think, that you might be in our hands, governing the way in which we work. Help us, Lord, to lay before you all our worries, our cares, <clears throat> our concerns this morning, our joys and our happinesses, our plans and our failings. The people rejected Jesus because he didn't fit into their time plan. Help us to be patient, Father, and to love you in patience and in thankfulness. So bless this wine to us, Father, and be with us now as we look forward to your son's return. Amen. been thinking about Jesus, about what he's done for us. We've been thinking about how we could be more like Jesus. Let's ask him to teach us. So we'll sing our, our next song, which is doing just that. Teach me to dance to the beat of your heart. Teach me to move in the power of your spirit. We are living by faith each day today, and we are trying to follow Jesus. Uh, but it doesn't, that's not all we're doing, um, because someday we'll hear the trumpet.
Father God, every day is a journey. Every day is a journey where each of us approaches it in a different way. Today started for me like a lot of days, full of work and two hours sorting papers out. And then the Grand Prix was on the telly in the background. And I so wanted to stay and watch. And then all the papers were all over the floor. And the papers are still all over the floor. And as I arrived here this morning, all I could think about was the papers all over the floor. And then, Lord, you sent Mike. He sent Mike to be my and our inspiration because you were talking through him. You were telling each one of us, particularly me, to really think about our priorities, to think about the things we should hold dear, to think about how we can be more like you, Lord Jesus, to think about how we can forget about the papers all over the floor, but think about the glory that spread throughout the world when the world actually speaks of you Lord Jesus and you our Father and talks of your greatness and doesn't talk about the papers all over the floor help us help me take these thoughts this week and not forget about them as soon as we walk outside this door but help it touch as Mike said our hearts and help us put it around our wrists help us put it across our foreheads and help us be you so that people will want to imitate each one of us even each one of us someday we'll hear the trumpet let's make it soon Father so we can Stop practicing, but really, really do it in reality and praise your name. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the oasis in the week. Amen.